You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. After laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. Hey guys, and welcome to the after laugh. I'm here with my my newest friend. Uh, yes, yes. Now, how do you pronounce your last name? Mike Eshack. Eshack. Yeah. Like E dash Shack. Yes, like if of. like if Shaquille O'Neal uh, email. went on the internet or got an email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Now we we met in Vegas. Yes. The first time we met, I, I did a show called The Dirty at twelve thirty, and I got you in trouble. And the funny thing about that. First of all, whatever. Like you're I always know. in trouble with Harry Basil at some point. Okay, well, yeah. but also, also, you were so nice and apologetic about it, and I was like, dude, it's not your fault. Why would you? <laughs> Don't worry. Like you, you basically. So you saw the twelve thirty, and and Harry, who owns a, we performed in the twelve thirty. Oh, we did. We were on the show together. That's we were in the right. show together. And I was like, hey, come. It was down. a great show. I was like, come to. Yeah, it was a good show. And I said, come to you know Laugh Factory. And you came with a friend, I think, and then. Harry was like, oh, what brought you guys here? Like, oh, we saw Bill at Dirty at 1230. I I performed with Bill at the Dirty at 1230. And he was like, what? This weekend? This tonight? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, that son of a bitch. It's in his contract that he can't be doing any other shows in a hundred mile radius. It's in my contract. Or whatever he said. No, he probably didn't say that, but I'm like, really? It's in the contract, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. A lot of these clubs have that. so, So here's the thing. So now I've learned to walk on eggshells when that when when that ever comes up because a lot of comedy clubs have a competition clause in their contract and you probably don't see it. Yeah. Like for example, like the Looney Bin yeah. says you cannot perform within a fifty mile radius over a span of how many three months or something usually something like that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I, he, he's here's the thing. He says that, but then if it's a comic that he really likes and bringing him tons of fucking money, he doesn't fucking give a fuck. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? If he has a name, it doesn't fucking matter. It's 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 weird how that is, right? You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like this girl that I was on a uh, I I went on a date with years ago, and uh, things escalated pretty quickly, right? Like the rapport was already there on the first uh-huh. date that I started groping her. Uh oh. Right, I started like groping her, and <laughs> maybe maybe uh, use a different word. <laughs> well, I mean, she was into it, you know. And then uh, she you started heavy it. petting. Okay. okay, sure, heavy petting. Where you were uh, at the bar we during the, the bar. Okay. Yeah, I was I was making sure that no one was seeing yeah. it. It wasn't like I was doing it. You know, I was being. Look, we're, we're men. I get we're it. We're men. Dude. You yeah. don't have to and, like it. And the thing is, is everyone's on a bar grow. I read her. I read her correctly. Yes. The rapport was there, right? And then she, after after like that little stint, she like stopped and she's like, "Huh, isn't it funny you get away with that because I think you're hot." It's almost the same thing as like you know a comedian that has that much money or bringing that much money to a club. Yeah, he he gets treated differently. Or you it's can, almost like every woman ever doing sure. anything who's hot. Yes, they get to do anything. Now I know this is a, you, you came in hot and you were like happy because you you had some. Uh, a, a conjugal visit last night with a, with a lady, of course with a lady. Is this bro. I know what the lady. Not, is. <laughs> Actually, but, I didn't ask for pronouns, so I'm not sure. <laughs> but but uh, is this a girl? Yeah, it's a girl that you met from dating apps or just no we comedy, just, just in public. You, you so you picked her up without the help of a comedy stage. Because I always find that once I became a stand up comic. Mm-hmm. 
so when I was when I was single and I was like dating, looking for women, there was always like my thing. Either I was an actor and that was a thing, or I was like a yoga teacher and that was a thing. Mm -hmm. But once you become a comic, that's kind of where you meet a lot of women. Sure, come to shows or Instagram or whatever sure. it is. Sure. Um, but you met a civilian like out in the world and talked to her like a person. Son of a bitch. I'm always impressed by this. It was a comic. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all right. That's, I've never that? done that before. Oh, you've never hooked up with a comic? I don't shit where I eat. They, I usually have that rule. I really do try my hardest. Like, there's been like many, many situations in the past uh, where a comedian would, I could tell it was just, yeah. it was there for the taking and I would not do it. And I think it Good was, for you. I think it was the Marine Corps because my drill instructors, they really drilled it in boot camp. Don't shit where you eat. Don't shit where you eat. They yeah. really drilled it in there. But how could you shit where you as a Marine, unless you were fucking a dude. Were there any women oh, around? Oh, yeah, there's women Marines. Are there? Yes. <laughs> Tons. But there are no women SEALs. I know that. Uh, no. So, like, like the women Marines are probably not doing, like, infantry shit. You could yeah. be a cook in the Marines. So how many you women... You could be, like, an office pencil pusher in the Marines, you know. How many women are, like, in a platoon that can pass basic training, like boot camp for a Marine? They all have to pass boot camp, but they do the female version. They have oh, female really? boot camp, so they're not in boot camp with the men. Okay. So the boot camp separated. I don't know too much about yeah. what they what they go through. Yeah. I heard they spend like a lot of like weeks just on how to tie their hair. I have no idea. Are you serious? <laughs> that that was told to me <laughs> by a bunch of other Marines. That's probably not true. Now that's fascinating that you're a Marine because there's a few comics who've had military training or were in the service like. Uh, Vince O'Shauna, one of them. Yes, um, I'm who's, to, who's really funny. Yeah, he's very funny. And I'm trying to think who else. Not a lot, but I, I, I feel it's pretty Tom Tran. Oh, are we are we both smoking? Are they, cause you, you, no, yeah, I, I put mine away because I get high really fast. Oh, you, you put that away? I put it, yeah. You, oh, you no, 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 no. I thought, I was under the impression that you didn't like that. Okay. No, I love it. So, um, and, I, and, and in a weird way, like, I, I envy it a lot, you know? I have a lot of military in my family. Um, you, play, you probably played military on TV, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, Law and Order, like the general who I'm gets sure. killed in the first ten minutes or yeah, something. But you look military. <laughs> well, I was in Army ROTC. Oh, okay. For a scholarship when I went to uh, college, it was always weird. You know, I've never really talked about ROTC too much. But basically, there was something called the one and run, where if you go the if you join ROTC, they will pay for your first year of college. And I went to Princeton, which is not cheap. Oh wow So they paid for my first year Oh wow And they make it really fun Like this is going to be Such a great four years But I knew That I was going to ditch After the first year Because I was, I was a terrible cadet I was fucking awful I would Whoa. like go to sleep In my fucking fatigues And wake up at 6th of March You know what I mean <laughs> You would sleep in your fatigue So you wouldn't have to get dressed When you wake up <laughs> yeah. You're hilarious <laughs> You're hilarious I went out One time I was out playing Uh playing football in the snow in the yard at Princeton like there was the, the battalion commander saw me and was like what the fuck are you doing dude I had my name Dawes on my yeah. fucking <laughs> he's like you better I better not see you in this shit ever again man I was like alright fine um, so you gave up after the first year yeah because they paid for my whole first year of college That's it was so amazing that they would do but that but if you stay if you stay and you leave after your second year you have to pay it all back it's really weird so you had to pay it all back? No, I didn't. If you leave after the first year, they pay for it. But if you leave after your second, if you do two years and you go like, you know, I'm quitting after two years. That's even dumber. Why would they do that? That's you have so to pay it back. So everybody know it's a scam. You can be like, okay, I'll get my first year paid for if I pretend I care about the ROTC. And then you join the ROTC and you do the fucking thing. You go on the weekend, you shoot paintballs and all that shit. And you, here's what's bizarre about it. And I'm older than you. Okay. Um, I hope. 
I'm I sure don't know. I'm in my early to late 40s. How about that? Am I older than you? <laughs> I'm and, older than you. Oh, wow. So uh, I, um, I was, we'd be running around campus at six in the morning every like other Wednesday or something, like, you know, marching. And we'd have the cadences. And the cadences were the most racist, xenophobic, at a very liberal school. I'm sure they don't have it anymore. They were like killing gooks and killing Japs. It was like shit like Whoa, that. Whoa, they were Killing commies. Like the old school That fucking, was a little too much. Wow, we weren't doing that in well, the Well, this range. is the 90s, you know what I mean? This was the 90s for me too. Wow. <laughs> We I, mean, I don't remember. I'm not being verbatim, but they were they were definitely like killing Japs and you know the fucking weird old school. The drill drill sergeant I heard one was Ho Chi Minh was a son of a bitch. <laughs> He's got. The but you didn't have any like re- the crazy like bitch. racist xenophobic. I don't remember that. No, you remember that like no. marches. I just remember marching along the Princeton campus, there, going like, well, "You were in really Princeton, weird." Though. He was on. He was in Princeton. Like, was there like <laughs> mostly white guys? No, no, it was mostly Chris. I think it was mostly black. Oh, really? No, I'm kidding. Of course, it was white. But uh, I'm just saying, were there any <laughs> were there any minorities in your platoon? Um, I'm if trying to think, think how many. It? I'm trying to like think. how many Japanese? How many? How many? Okay, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the things the, the 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 people they were being racist towards in those chants were any of them in the platoon? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. This is this is this speaks to my white privilege because I the fact that I look back and I can't even think about it probably meant. Pretty much everyone was white. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I definitely don't remember being like incredibly diverse. Princeton, I think more than like other schools sure. is very homogeneously white. I would think so. Because there's a lot of like old school country club money in there, which wasn't me, by the way. Okay. People are like, yeah, you wanna, you fucking, your dad. I'm like, no, my then mom why did you go? Fucking. Why did you choose that place? Because, um, what did you study? Honestly, dude, I got in. It's because I got in, and I thought it was cool. And Tom Cruise wanted to go to Princeton during Risky Business, and I was like, you know what, man? <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> there was really that much. Like, it was cool to go to Princeton. You did know you? What did mean? you graduate? Yeah. In uh, how many years? Four years. Four years. And yeah. then you? What did you? What did you study? Aerospace engineering. Oh shit. Yeah. But I, I, it's not like I was a great student. It's not like I was killing it in the aerospace game. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be an actor instead. I was like a mediocre student, you know. But I, you got your degree in I got aerospace degree. and engin- engineering. Yeah, but the could way it works is once you... Could you do anything with it? <laughs> right now, you mean? I mean, like, could you do anything in that I'm field? No, uh, <laughs> I think... That's all that matters. I, I've talked about this before, like in interviews and stuff, but basically what it was is I, I interviewed at Nassau. I only did a few interviews, Wall Street and Nassau. And the Nassau interview was, like, it was a bunch of like chodes sitting in cubicles with glasses working on anti-gravity toothpaste for five years and i was just like nope that's hilarious <laughs> this is what nasa nah. i mean if you're really 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 smart you sure. can be, you'd be down in houston you can fucking send the missiles up and shit but i'm just like a normal fucking average nasa guy i'm gonna be sitting there in a cubicle trying Punching to work numbers. on anti-gravity toothpaste or, or some, some shit, shit you yeah. know which is like really is that gonna be my life and why did you choose that field then my dad was an engineer. He wanted all of his boys to be engineers. Oh, he was too playing that Dude, game. I mean, I don't know how you, because you, you went to the Marines right out of high school? Yeah, well, a year after high school. I joined the Marines to get away from my dad. Yeah. It's the only real reason I joined. I mean, everyone goes to the Marines or, or college to get away from something. Something. Right? Yeah. There's you a know, guy in my platoon who was in the KKK. He joined oh. to get away from the KKK because oh. his whole family was in the KKK. And I imagine that. What people don't realize about the armed services and the Marines and all this stuff in general, kind of like sports, I believe, from my experience having performed for a lot of the troops, it's like 
incredibly like anti-racist in my opinion because the com- camaraderie between blacks whites everyone else like it's so it's intense. very it's very it's very much so because it has to be like that like even when i was in the marines they would they would say because there is no color you're all green yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether you're dark green or light green, you're all green. Yeah. And which was a kind of good way to homogenize us. 100%. You know, to get us to be like, yeah. But then again, you know, that's not to say that you're not going to have racist Marines, bro. Of course, of course. Do you know? I mean, that's, you know. But, but yeah. I think, isn't, I mean, I've always thought that racism, part of racism is just like the ignorance. It's just ignorance. You don't, you don't know any black people. You haven't been close to any black people. You haven't been close to any Arabs or anything. So then you Sometimes start I don't even, some weird. I think a lot of it is ignorance. But then I think just some people, man, they have hatred. Yeah, and, and they got to put it somewhere. And it's got to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But I think the majority is just, yeah, it's that. Because, I mean, the guy the guy that was in my platoon, I have him in my in my bit, bro. The guy the guy started boot camp. He, he was hating. He hated me. Wow. He had KKK branded on his arm. Wow, that's intense, man. Dude, I would wake up sometimes. Dude, I only joined to get away from my dad. My dad was a tyrant. Yeah. Boot camp was a vacation. Well, so tell me. me a little bit about your dad. We'll go back to that. Your, your dad, he's from... Hold on, let me let me let me finish okay, let me finish this this, this yeah. thought real quick. That guy would fucking wake up, bro. I would wake up in the morning, <laughs> right? We'd wake up in the morning, uh-huh. and sometimes that guy would be up earlier than me, uh-huh. and he'd just fucking like lean in because his bunk was right next to mine. He would just like look at me with his fucking Whoa. his jo- and he and he would look at me and he go, "I can't wait till we go to war, motherfucker. You the first motherfucker I shoot." What the fuck? You dirty Arab. Oh, you the first motherfucker was, I shoot. Oh, wouldn't you be yeah. like, um, Sergeant? Oh, no. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, so, I was so just, good, so I thought good. he was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I didn't get offended. I was just happy my dad wasn't there. You know what I'm just saying? <laughs> I was just so happy to be in boot camp. I was the only one that was chipper. But this guy, like, he was like, he hated me like that much. And then we graduated. And dude, the guy cried. Wow. Hugged me. And then, um, and then, uh, and then, and then at one point, I remember, when you get out of boot camp, you go to a one month uh, a Marine combat training, right? Yeah. And now you and your platoon is now scrambled into other platoons. Wow. So now you're 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 seeing them again, but now they're in different platoons. Yeah. For a month, uh, and then when we graduated, we were all lining up on the bus to leave this school to go to go to the fleet. And I look up, and at the very fucking top of the tower was Hatfield. A standing guard not graduating and I couldn't understand what happened and I went up there and the dude had fucking tears coming out of his eyes bro wow. and he's like man he goes I joined the Marine Corps to get away from my family he goes everyone in my family strung out on heroin my whole fucking neighborhood strung out I strung out everyone's KKK and he wow. goes I just joined the Marines to get away from that and then they caught me with cocaine and I got a dishonorable discharge wow. and they're sending me back Fuck, dude. Have you been in contact with this guy at all? This is the last time I or saw him. Looked him, him up on Facebook. No, right? this is before Facebook. This is like '95, bro. Wow. So then, uh, so then I remember. Uh, I'll never forget this moment. He's crying so hard, dude. Then he puts his hand on my shoulder. This is the guy who used to fucking like just give me death threats throughout boot camp. <laughs> puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, dude. I can't wait to go back home and tell everyone I know I met the coolest you rab. And I was like, don't do that. <laughs> they don't need to know none of that shit, bro. What the fuck is wrong with you? They don't need my name, where I live, where I'm from. <laughs> they don't need to know none of that, bro. Wow. So his name's Hatfield. Hatfield. I mean, is he part of the Hatfield-McCoy family? Everyone always asks that, right? And yeah. He was, I think he was from West Virginia. Uh, well, there it is. You know, he's That's West Virginia. Be. West God Virginia. Damn. I don't know what his first name was. All I know is his last name was Hatfield. Yeah. And it's just crazy to see that guy go from just seething hatred mm-hmm. for everyone that wasn't white yeah and then at the end graduating and hugging a black man hugging me just 
mind blown yeah. and then also seeing how terrified he was that he had to go back to that shit wow that's such a shame that he got because he probably never got his shit back together you know what I, I mean? hope I don't know dude I have no idea wow. but it just you could see the fear in his eyes bro he literally was like fuck I'm going back to that shit wow you know what I'd like to do for a podcast one time I'm a little stoned so I can say this uh, it'd be fun to have a podcast where people came on and they called someone from their past that they would never fucking call. Just like, like call up blah, blah, blah. Your first, ah, fuck. Okay. That's you know I mean? great. That'd be a great like little. The only problem with that <laughs> podcast is the logistics because then you would probably have to make sure that the other person is ready for that phone call. Mm. Yeah, I guess right? so. Because otherwise you're going to have a lot of podcasts where it's just going to be ringing and no one answers. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Or true. That's why, yeah. You have to be like Jeopardy. And, like, I'm gonna get another hit of this yeah. setup. So, anyways, my dad. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you are not white. You are a now. <clears throat> I was googling this the other day because I was trying to figure out where to funnel my hate. No, I'm kidding. I was. I think it was. I think there was some sort of like <laughs> trivia question, and I was like, "What? What is an Arab? Like, how many countries are?" Like, if you're from Egypt, are you an Arab? If, you've, if you're any Muslim country, basically makes you an Arab, right? It's, it's supposed to be pronounced Saudi Arab. 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 Yeah, I was kind of playing off your. Okay, word. good. Okay, good. So, okay, good, 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 good. Uh, since you're, for anybody who's listening, uh, Arab. Don't say Arab. Well, if, listen, I'm one of those Arabs where I think Arab sounds cooler than Arab. It sounds better. It sounds more prominent. You know what I mean? Actually gives it more strength. Like Arab sounds like, what is that? Herb? What are you talking? What is this? Yeah, it says a carob, like a carob bean. Yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. Like the shitty chocolate. Um, so like Arab countries typically comprise of an area that we call the Middle East, which is not a continent. It's just a made up term for a part of Asia. Isn't that wild? I know. I have a joke about that in my set. I have a whole Because people like, what, con- what, what continents are there? But like South America, North America, yeah. Middle East, right. Africa, and it's right. completely not true. Like, like, like in, my, in my joke where I, where, I, where, I, where I plead with the audience that there's no Middle East, I go, if we had a continent called Middle East, that means we should have another continent called all the way the fuck East. <laughs> <laughs> we got a North America We got a South America We have a Middle East Where's the other East? So Middle East is like a made up term um, But those are typically the countries That we consider the Middle East Iran Iraq You know All the Kuwait, way down to Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia. And then Egypt, And then Morocco? typically like the northern part of, of Africa. Africa Like Egypt, Morocco mm-hmm. Places like that would be considered uh, Arabs. You yeah. Know? And then even when you get to East Africa, uh, where my, my people are from Yemen, which is right across from Ethiopia, right across the water. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, like, d- 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 does, does genetics stop at borders, bro? Because, like, I mean, <laughs> because if you go to, like, c- certain parts of Yemen, you, 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 would, you, would, you would think that some of those people were African. But yeah, they're Yemeni. 100%. But because yeah. there's a, you know, it's, it's not wild. like, it's not like you just cross the water and then there's no black people anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but... Well, that's a weird thing, too, is that also people find any way to be tribal. Like India and Pakistan, I mean, they hate each other with a passion of a thousand sons. Sure. And you can't tell the difference between, sure. between them if you see them in the store. Sure, bro. You know? Yeah, amen to that, bro. Like, we do want to team up. It's even, it's even to a point where, like, look at sports. Like, Jerry Seinfeld has that really great bit. He's just like, is anybody in your sports team from your town? No. So what are we rooting for? <laughs> laundry? You know what I mean? Which is kind of true. But that's how we are. Democrat, Republican, oh, whatever it is. Rooting for laundry. I like that. Yeah. 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 
Because you're rooting for laundry. It's yeah. like just these guys wearing these jerseys. And then even if you are rooting for, like even the World Cup going on right now, even if you are rooting for your country, what are you rooting for? What are you rooting for? Just the idea of nationalism. I mean, it's a very, it's a very, and I, and I go back and forth on this. I think we kind of like line up, our belief systems are probably similar in the sense that I think at the end of the day, we live in a liberal state, in a liberal city, and we're telling dick jokes on stage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's something in our bent that is going to be sort of liberal, but then there's also like, then you have a dick and balls and you're a man, and you're like, oh, wait a second, what the fuck is going on here? Mm. You know what I mean? So you kind of like, I always say I kind of toggle, like I, I consider myself Democrat, liberal, but sometimes like, hey guys, hey, how about there's there should be a shut the fuck shut the fuck up button yeah. on the liberal side. There should matter. also be a button on either side that goes, hey, that other side's idea was pretty good. That was a pretty good. That's a little pretty good thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like for example, like but the, that should be the liberals who have that capacity because yes. Republicans are the nerds who are like, we think this, we yes. think this, we believe this, blah blah blah. But and now the liberals, liberals be like, okay, that's cool. Yes, I'll smoke some weed and think about it. But they're Bro, not. Oh, you're so funny that you say that because I actually have like a joke where I, I before I go into the joke, I have to explain that. Yeah. Exactly yeah. what you just said. You yeah. know, it's uh, people. People's minds shut down when you pick sides, man. This and if you, and if you try to like argue people on it, they just won't hear you. If I like my my two brothers, older brothers, one of them is, I would say, one of the foremost scholars on the linguistics of war in the country. He's published several books. He's sure. a think tank at Harvard. Sure. The other brother, they're both so much smarter than me. The other brother is like an ER doctor in a, a SWAT team wow. in Santa Barbara. Wow. They couldn't be politically. An I ER mean, doctor on a SWAT team? ER doctor and in SWAT. Jeez. He goes back and forth. They couldn't be politically, they could not be more fucking different. Polar opposite, huh? Because you're in academia, you are bound by law to be to as be liberal, liberal as possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, You can't yeah. be. I mean, he believes in eh, eh, whatever it is. Whatever. Yeah, there's no you such know. thing as a woman. Yeah, right. Yeah, 100%. All that stuff. <laughs> yeah, he believes all that. <laughs> he has to. I mean, what he said to me, and he had a good point I about that. I think he has to. I think that's so stupid. Because, you know, and I look, I have a daughter who I think about growing up and being indoctrinated into different belief systems that I'm not sure what I believe in. And my brother Jim, the professor up in Minnesota, he was like, well, you know, but when we were growing up, we were told that gay is wrong and gay is bad. So maybe that's where we are now with the transgender movement. And I'm like, there's gotta be a difference. You know what I mean? There there's is gotta a, difference. Be a difference. No, like right now you're trying to like literally change and go against biology. I'm not even trying to play that game anymore. Yeah. I'm just not doing it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I don't think there's anything wrong. It doesn't make you a hateful person. It just makes you someone who has questions. Yeah. You know? And uh, can we can we bat around these ideas a little bit more? Because yeah. some things don't make sense. And it's like, no, we can't bat around the ideas. This is what it is. Well, what's, what's Which is so stupid. What's crazy to me about unliberal, it. Unliberal-like. 100%. What's crazy to me about it, I have no problem with people doing whatever they want and blah, blah, blah. But what you don't know when you're 12, 13, 14, 15 making these decisions, you don't right. know that you're going to have, you're going to be infertile and then you're going to spend the rest of your life having to take shots. Sure. The rest of, when I was in high school yeah. and people wanted me to be a better athlete yeah. and they introduced the idea of taking testosterone or different drugs to like bulk up, which I never did. Who introduced it? Like just like people at the gym, you know what I mean? Okay, because okay. I was like on the football team. I, I thought it was the teachers was like, or something. <laughs> no, like the football team was right, like, right. was like really fucking good. And I was the one white guy in the team and someone who was a wrestler at the high school. I was like, hey man, I can get, I can <laughs> help you be more competitive. I'm like, well, I'll just be the kicker. <laughs> um, but uh, 
and I just, you know, I look, you look into it and you read about it and you hear about it, like testosterone, like what it does to the body, like unnatural amounts really, really fuck you up. I mean, if you sure. modulate it in a good way, but even as a man, they, they've worked out a system for like 30, 40 years where they can kind of introduce it in a way where your balls don't turn into marbles and you can kind of keep moving forward. Um, now you're introducing completely opposite sex into the equation of uh, testosterone manipulation, hormone sure. manipulation. Like, we're still trying to figure it the fuck out. What sure. should we do? And I think a lot of people are going to find out that the side effects aren't good. And for some reason, we're not talking about it. You know what I mean? The side effects of giving someone uh, of another gender testosterone, well, testosterone. Over 30, 40, 50 years. I mean, well, apparently makes bones brittle and all sorts of shit. Cancer. You really? Know? Yeah. Like, if you take too much. Yeah, but then also, How like... How about TRT, though? Oh. Why, are you on that bro? It's fine. What? <laughs> are you on TRT? Yeah. I have half my half my friends are on that shit, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I take I take. No, but a, I think that's different because, because they have, like, they measure... When, when they do that, they measure everything, right? So they know if how your prostate's doing, how your sure. liver's doing. They I know. do all that. Yeah, so they, they, they kind of I have a very modulated... I almost too much because I want to stay on top of it. But they're modulated in accordance with how your balls work and how your dick works right there there's it's sort of like it's a vetted process over yeah, many well, decades the idea is is like if you start take if you take like you know 150 milligrams a week that is not on a level where you're just gonna blow up and just get huge it's a yeah. it's a therapeutic level yeah but you, you never know? worry about like oh, shit am i gonna get to give me cancer right you ever think about that Mm. No, yeah, that's probably fine. No, but really. I just remember when I was growing up. First, I think everything is giving us cancer. One hundred percent. All these athletes who were doing testosterone, like you're going to get this, and it was like all the PSA warnings about how bad testosterone is for your body and how HGH can cause cancer. Don't take HGH either because HGH is the one I'm scared of because HGH accelerates cancer cells. Yeah, because cancer lives off of HGH. Yeah. But then all these chemicals and hormones being introduced to people who are transitioning, sure. they just make it seem like it's a panacea for solving your problems. I'm yeah. like, well, there's problems with taking anything into your body. Absolutely. You know, you know um, I'm sure, yeah. And to me, the biggest problem I have, I don't, I don't mind any adults doing what they want to do with their body, taking whatever uh, injections they want to take, whether they want to take them in a smart way or they want to be aggressive with it I'm all about freedom of yeah. choice and what you want to do I just have a problem with going hey we're going to let my kid who's five years old start taking testosterone <laughs> because because this thing this kid told me that they're a man now and yeah, it's it, like it, I don't know if that's something that it, we can yeah. just, I have a problem with that what's weird about it is you always want to be and I talk about this in my act too you always want to be on the right side which is usually in your mind the more history has shown us the right side is the more accepting side the more empathetic side usually right sure you look back at all these you know slavery and the holocaust sure. it was like that's all about the lack of empathy and the lack of caring about another people so you want to care about every marginalized group absolutely and if you go down that path, I, I want to care about them and they're like what about this you're kind of like I guess. Yes. <laughs> but then we start looking into it. it. It just gets really, it's very disappointing for me because some of my heroes in comedy like John Stewart and John Oliver, they go really, really deep into the gender ideology, which and I they understand. Believe in it. They, they, they believe it on the they other side. They believe the kids should get the, you know. They do? 100%. John Stewart? Yeah. No. Yeah. I got to look this up. I don't see he's the type of person to be that crazy. You think, right? But I'm just saying when you're on the left now, you kind of have to 
adopt the hegemony of the left or you are out. I don't know what I don't know how it works. It's very it's very weird to me because I feel like you look at someone like Bill Maher, who I used to not like that much, mm-hmm. or Joe Rogan, and mm-hmm. you look at two people, you're like, wow, they kind of like they pick the topic and they go with what their gut says. They don't align with any political party necessarily. Sure. So no one knows where they line up politically because and, and they have their own thoughts. And that makes people anxious. Yes. People yes. want to, they, they, because people straight up, man, they, I have friends of mine that are liberal and they're just like, are you a Republican now? <laughs> I know. It happens to me all the time. I'm like, it's like, what are you talking about? I smoke weed. I'm proof gay marriage. Yeah. And I, I'm pro abortion. Like you wouldn't even believe. Oh, because, like I, wouldn't because, even believe. because I think, I think people should have guns. Oh, now I'm a Republican. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't have any conservative <laughs> ideas about me. I mean, the fact that everyone is only liberal or only like I think they're I think you're I think people are just so dumb to believe that they're only one thing. Yeah, if you really break it down, man, not everybody's one hundred percent. I think the country is, is, is ready for like a third party, an independent Bro, party. I, I was just, just having this discussion. I just don't. It's not going to be the libertarians. It's not going to be the independents. I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be something else. The moderates, I have no idea. I don't know, but the middle's gone. But the middle is gone in the political system. That's what I'm saying. But in the country at people large, are, people, most people, people are, are in the middle. middle you know, I think are. that's where they live mostly. Yeah, and then they're being. You know, that's my whole thing. It's like people want to live in the middle. They kind of live in the middle, but then media comes on and goes like, "Yeah, we're pushing you this sure. way. We're pushing you that way." Bro, if you ever see my set, man, that's one of my things. Is the news? I hate it. I hate the TV. I hate how it manipulates us. You know oh, what I mean? I, I I like to draw the, the the parallels between how the news was portraying Arabs after 9/11 mm. and how now it's white people. You know, <laughs> after what I January Six, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and 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 you know, for me, it's a relief. I know you. I saw that man. It's a great right? bit. But then at the same time, I'm empathizing with white people. I'm like, fucked up, man. Yeah. You know, I think it's really messed up. But then it's just, it just goes to show. Yeah, yeah. You would think that now that white people have seen how the news can do that, because most people didn't experience that. Back in, after 9-11, if I tried to explain to some of my white friends what's going on, maybe they just, they just didn't really register. Well, yeah, I want to hear about that because, so you... I mean, I don't want to necessarily age you, but you were in... Uh, I'm how, old as fuck. Well, it doesn't matter. What, what, I just look good. So where were you? Were you in Detroit when 9-11 happened? Where were you? I was in Detroit, yeah. I was out of the Marine Corps in 99. Mm-hmm. 2001 happened. At the time, I was managing an oil change that was uh, run by all these Lebanese people, but it was in a predominantly yeah. white-slash-Jewish area suburb. Yeah. Right? And... Uh, Bro, I'll never forget it. We all remember where we were. Yeah. And I was cashing out a, a customer. Yeah. Right? And the car, their car was behind me. Bro, my my boss comes out of the office. Because it's like 11 a.m. probably or like 10 a.m. Something like yeah. that. Uh-huh. It was like around, it was in the morning, right? I forget An exactly. An hour after New York time, right? In Detroit. No, we're the same. Oh, the same. Okay, Eastern, so it's Eastern. 9 in the morning. Okay, got it. Yeah. So... There and I remember my boss comes out of his office. Mm-hmm. He has to go around behind me, right, to circle around me to go into the TV room. And as he goes around me, he says, "A plane hit the World Trade Center." Wow! And then he and then next thing you know, I see all the guys in the basement that work. They started climbing up and walking. I'm still cashing this person out. Yeah. Then I turn around to give it to this lady, and this lady just had this like look on her face and I remember I cashed her out she's like uh huh I still don't know what the hell's going on Yeah. and then she drives off and Bill I swear to God I, it was like twilight zone where I was at the oil change was next to this very busy road right for the first it was like no car everything the cars were gone 
even the oh, birds wow. were watching TV. You know what I'm saying? Like everything was gone and I was so confused. And then I came around and everyone was hunched around the TV and there was the World Trade Center with the smoke coming out Crazy. and they were replaying the video and none of us couldn't believe it. Wow. And we sat there and, 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 and I swear to God, the first thing that came to my mind was like, what was that pilot smoking? 100%. I think a lot of us was thinking that. Yeah, because right? you didn't realize it was, a, it was a commercial plane yet. And you then the second plane hit. Yeah. And when that happened, that's when I knew, oh, oh fuck, this is coordinated. And then I think every Arab all also I was said, say, did you, please did, don't let it be Arabs. Please don't let it be Arabs. Please don't let it be Arabs, bro. But did you kind of know it was? Did you kind of suspect that? Or did you suspect it didn't, you, until you found out, you didn't suspect? Once I saw the second plane hit, I knew it was a terrorist attack. Yeah, yeah. I still had questions, but I knew it was a terrorist attack, yeah. right? And then, uh, and then the buildings fell. Yeah, bro. And I, I'll never forget this, man. I'm fresh out the Marines, right? So I got this sense of duty. So I started right away calling my duty station to see if they're going to be calling me. They said they'll call you if anything happens. I was so fucking hot with anger, man. Yeah. I wanted to go to war like a lot of people, right? Yeah, 100%. And I remember these Lebanese guys that were I was that were working for us. You know, they were immigrants, barely could speak English. They were older gentlemen, you know, maybe 35 to 45 years uh -huh. old, right? Mm-hmm. And they were sitting there and they were kind of cracking jokes while we're watching the TV with the towers down and right. Yeah. They were just cracking jokes in their language. Right. I don't know exactly what they were saying because I don't speak Arabic. Yeah. Right. And I got really fucking mad at them. Yeah. And I was like, you think this is fucking funny, you motherfuckers? God damn, bro. You see what the fuck's happening and you guys are just sitting here like like it's nothing. I was really emotional. Sure. Right? Uh, and then after I cooled off, one of the older gentlemen, he said, come over here, man. He takes me out, outside. And he said something that was very, very poignant. He's like, I know how you feel. He goes, but you got to understand, we saw this country do that to our country growing sure. up. Sure. Sure. You know, he's like 10 years old. I had to walk around with an AK-47 because your country decided to blah, 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 this, that, and the mm -hmm. other thing, you know? And then he's like, this is new to you, and you should be angry. Yeah. But you can't ha expect us to be just as angry. Yeah, yeah. And it was really, it was, it was an interesting, interesting thing, yeah. you know, because they put it into perspective. I'm like, oh, now I can see why these guys are stoic about this. Yeah, 100%. Do you know? Yeah. They've been through it. Yeah. And they don't, of course, they don't see themselves as villains doing that. They see themselves as heroes and martyrs, and they're, and they're either getting revenge for what was done to their country. Or One person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. Damn, I've never heard that line. That's a great line. Yeah. One person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. It's completely fucking true. Like, yeah. You take enough mushrooms and DMT, you start <laughs> realizing, wait a minute, what is so, this? <laughs> so, so your journey from Marine and then you work in this cash to comic must have been an interesting one. Also, real quick, after September 11th, did you feel like you had a target on your back or did you did people treat you weird were you like were people like, hey man no. go back to none of that shit i was very fortunate man not many people really messed with me because i dressed like a puerto rican so <laughs> you're a big dude too you know I mean? <laughs> well no i don't think i was that big then i just I, not many people really really outwardly messed with me thankfully right but it still was a, a, a hard time man i fell into a deep depression because you got to understand i was a i was a i was a american first then I was a United States Marine, mm -hmm. served my country, and then in one second, I went from being American to now having to prove that I'm American. Interesting, yeah. That's what was depressing. Yeah. 
the lady that was when I when I left the oil change on September 11th, we closed early. I went to guest. I went to a, a CVS or a Walgreens on the way home, and I stood in line to get cigarettes. Right. I had my old platoon shirt on. In line. Yeah. And because I was Middle Eastern, I went into that line and this black lady was in front of me in the line. She turned around and looked at me. She had this disgust that she left. Oh, wow. She just walked out of line just from yeah. looking at me. Yeah. So that was kind of hard, bro. That was the hard part was seeing how like, oh, dude, I'm not American anymore. You wow. Know? That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody fucked with me. Yeah. That's good. Thankfully. And you and it probably abated after a while as well. Any, any feelings of, of weirdness around you? People kind of like... I feel like the anti-Arab uh, sentiment in America lasts about six years, and then people kind of, eh, whatever. Yeah, but it was still there for a long time, though, man. Even though, like, if people, the, the, the TV was always, all the bad guys were Arabs now. Yeah, you know? that's and true. every show there were Russians, was There were Russians that. all through the 80s and 90s. Yes, and then, and then they were like, <laughs> oh, now they're Arabs. Now who they're going to be? Played by Mexicans. Now it's like, going to be like white, white nationalists. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, when all this stuff was happening when with like BLM and everything and Me Too and all this stuff and all these stupid white male actors were like, man, I'm never going to work because it's all going to like minorities, intersectional people. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm for it because guess what? Me Too, BLM, they all need a villain. Ah. Everybody needs a villain. <laughs> yeah. and not, you know what? Sure, See, sure, glass bring full, on. Glass half full, bro. Yeah. That's the mindset that you're supposed to have in this fucking life, bro. Yeah. yeah. You know? Everyone, like, if there's... if there's You a, have an abundance mentality. That's yeah. a good mentality to have. Because any, any black story that exists, there needs to be a white person either helping them out or pu yeah. pushing them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't I'll mind do you, playing either, right? <laughs> I'll play either. And I get cast with the guy who's pushing them down, to be honest. But really? Well, usually. Oh, really? You play the bad guy? I feel like what what I play. I play. I usually play like um like yeah like like kind of like white trash, or I play um like a derelict. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I don't get the, Which I don't is get so the, funny. I don't get the romantic you are leads. not that at all, bro. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's what it is. So your your dad, he was from um he was from Yemen. He was actually born in Indonesia. Born in Indonesia. Both my mom and dad were born in Indonesia. Indonesia is a very interesting area because almost no one on the fucking planet knows anything about it like where it is what it means yeah indonesia is right above australia a little bit like right next to australia and you know uh but it, south it, of the philippines so that's indonesia involves more than one piece of land oh right? yeah it's seventeen thousand islands Seventeen thousand. Islands, Seventeen thousand. Yeah. fucking bananas islands are they all occupied I think so, wow. and uh, and uh, maybe not all because some of them are very tiny. And, and then, some of them uh, have Survivor on. That's what. And then uh, there's uh, there's I think there's like 500 different languages. And what's the most? What's the biggest uh, country in Indonesia? Or the biggest part of Indonesia is it Bali? Java. Java. The island of Java. Java. Bali is another island that's right next to the island of Java. Okay. So the most populated one is Java. That's where the capital is, the capital of Jakarta. Oh, interesting. Uh, and uh, one of the real reasons why Islam is, I mean, um, uh, Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world. Wow. A lot of people don't really know that. Largest in terms of mass, geography, no, they, or there population? There are more Muslims in Indonesia than there are all of the Middle East. Jesus Christ. Combined. And that's really small. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize it, man, because I think like after 9-11, the propaganda got people to equate uh, Arabs with Islam, 100%. which is not true because people get blown away when you find out that Arabs only make up 15% of all Muslims in the world. Really? 15%.
Yeah. Not even 20% of all Muslims in the world are Arabs. Yeah. Which is interesting because a lot of Christians are in the, in the Middle East. Yeah. So tons of Christians and Catholics. Yeah. And, um, I was just in India and it was amazing. Like India has like a really interesting split of Hindu, Muslim, and Christian. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. It seems like you're right, right there. there. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's that. And then like the real reason why Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world is because my people, the Yemenis, have been traveling to Indonesia predating Islam. So wow. Indonesians, so Yemenis have been living in Indonesia for centuries. And they've had a very, like a lot of like Ashkenazi Jews where they would have like a very strict uh, marriage protocol. Mm. You could only marry other Yemenis, right? Interesting. And specifically, you could only marry other Yemenis from that traveler Huh. group so like the people from my village in yemen we were the seafarers we were the vikings we were the travelers yeah. of yemen so, and then we had this strict marriage protocol where you can only marry other yemenis from that royal bloodline wow which is a very interesting thing because and and then uh, so that's the reason why uh Indonesia is the largest Muslim country because when Islam started sprouting in the Middle East, the Yemenis already acted as a conduit because they were all they were living all across Southeast Asia for centuries. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, my mom yeah. and dad were born there. Okay, and they moved here because of political unrest, or they just no. wanted to like you know they was like nah. Detroit has a big Muslim population too, correct? Very big. And yeah. a lot of the Muslims that live there, a lot of them are because of political unrest. Got it. A lot of so them. you moved straight to Detroit from Yemen, or your your parents did, and then you were born in Detroit. I was born in Detroit, yeah. And your dad. Let's unpack your dad. Let's, let's unpack him, bro. <laughs> that piece of shit. Is, I got he, a, is he still around? I got a good joke for him. I don't know. He might be dead. I have no idea. You, when's the last time you talked to him? Damn, bro. 2013 or 14. Wow. You guys phone number? I think so. Huh? No. <laughs> Dude, he's so toxic. Of course he is. Of course he's toxic. So what? It's just... <laughs> no, man, but it's bad. I know. I mean, look. No, I, it's bad, bad. I'm talking about like he just wants to hurt you. That's it. So, you know? so he just became a toxic person. So, what did it? Did it happen suddenly? Was there an injury? Was there health? What what caused him to become toxic? Was he always just toxic? No, I mean he had. Can I smoke the other one? Because this one here, for some reason, is clogged. Yeah, I'm not sure what is. Smoke it. I want to get high before I talk about my dad. <laughs> <laughs> you cool with this machine? Yeah, of course, man. I think this would be the best podcast ever if you called your dad right now and just said, Dad, look, Fuck man. Fuck you. No. <laughs> that hang up. You said, Dad, I forgive you. And then hung up. <laughs> that blow his mind. Um, okay. Yeah, so, so what happened with your dad? So, with my dad. The Cliff Notes version is from what I believe is that my father should have got therapy at some point and he oh, never did all of our fathers should have yes you know maybe not all some people probably have some people do have good mental fortitude you know what I mean yeah that some of us if you know we, we might need to take, take our brain to the gym yeah my, my, my dad never went to therapy and he's just like a dad he's a Republican Tucker Carlson watching dad and he's just he's fine He's fine, he's, right? He's what he is, yeah. Good. I mean, you know, some people have that, right? And some of us, uh, we have to have uh, good grips with what we're going through and maybe seek help. But my dad was so old school, so Middle Eastern, yeah. so old school Muslim, patriarch of the family. Of you course. Know. And what was he doing for work? He was working at, on, he was working at a Chrysler. 
he was a millwright, which is like a skilled trade. I guess he's like the guy who repairs anything that breaks down anywhere in the factory. That's probably a decent job in Detroit, maybe in the 90s, right? Oh, dude, my dad made good money, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad made good money. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you work as a skilled trade in, in a place like, and then you're in the union and stuff. Yeah, yeah, particularly when Detroit was you killing get, it. You get double time, triple time in fucking like uh, holidays. And my dad yeah. be working all those days. You yeah. know what I mean? So, no, you make good money. How many siblings you have? Just one sister, one little sister, yeah. Okay. And to me, I think what ended up happening, Bill, is just my dad. So first off, that motherfucker had a problem with the fact that he was bald. <laughs> and I think that's where it started from. I think it sprouted from the fact that he hated the fact that he was bald. Hey, you make good money. I have transplants. So my dad, you know what's so funny, man? I didn't realize that my dad was bald until I was like maybe 13 years old. <laughs> oh, really? Because he was so embarrassed of it, he tried to hide it from even the kids. He'd wear a cap or something? He would always wear a cap. <laughs> always wear a cap. And listen, I'm bald. I fucking, I wear caps too because it's cold, right? It's but, cold, yeah. But you're not going to see me wearing a toupee when I'm fucking wearing a suit. That's what my dad would do, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, he'd wear a toupee. He would wear a toupee. Aww. And 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 the thing is, is that like it really ate him alive. And then I didn't realize because he'd always either wear a beanie or wear a baseball cap. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I didn't realize until after that. I remember when we found out my dad was bald because my dad would make me and my sisters sometimes come and give him like a, a, a like step on his back, yeah. right before while he's going to sleep. You know, to like relax. And then I, I saw his beanie, it was in the dark, and it was lifted up a little bit, and then in the back I just saw this like scalp, but I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Because like in my my brain, I'm like, what? What? And so I went to my mom and I was like, you know, he's got like this this big gray spot in the back. And then <laughs> yeah. and then and then she's like, Oh no, he's not going gray. Your dad doesn't have hair. She finally told it to me. I'm like, what? He's like, Yeah, but don't tell him because he, he he doesn't want anyone to know. And I'm like, that's blew my wild. mind. I'm like, I'm 13 years old and I just just now really? and then one day I remember me and my sister were sitting down playing fucking Nintendo or whatever. And my dad would like he takes a nap and he's like, he used to work the night shift, so he would sleep like during yeah, the day yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He woke up in the middle of the day uh-huh. Came out the bedroom Without his fucking beanie on Holy And shit. didn't know He forgot Yeah And then he came in And he's like hey, So what are you guys doing And we looked at my dad And we were like What <laughs> And my dad Like right away Like grabbed his head And like ran oh to the bedroom God. Yeah His own kids I know Now the thing You gotta think about that though Yeah I'm trying to Get you to have empathy For your father How fucked up Was his upbringing that he was that insecure about being bald because that's that's something that you're not born with he uh, was obviously bred to think of a man as either a certain he type was of man. or he was just that type of person because he had a bunch of brothers and sisters what about your what about your grandparents were they so i really didn't know my dad's family that well my dad was never really he never brought us around any of his family that much interesting so, so maybe I, some bad blood there it was very hard for me to like wrap my mind around how he operated within the structure of his own family yeah we was always closer to my mom's side of the family so you're still close to your mom very yeah very close okay so and they're divorced, your parents? Yeah. Okay. So your dad, 2013, what transpired to make you kind of like stop talking to him? Uh, I ate edibles and went in a sensory deprivation tank. <laughs> it was crazy. So have you ever done a sensory deprivation tank? In the water? Yeah. Not on edibles. I might have had a panic attack. But you, you've done, done them before. I did it you know be- what it is. I did before, and there's that moment where you're like in the salt water. It's very, very sure. salinated, so you sure. float. So you can float. And then 
you're kind of in a big giant bubble and they shut it so it's pitch black pitch black it's as good as pitch pitch black pitch black and you're floating and the f- there's a, for my experience was this because usually it's, it's an hour my experience was you're okay cool I got this and then then, then there's a, a panic that sets in mm. and then you can either fuck with your mind and tell your mind what's happening and to relax and you have control over that weird uh, hypothalamus in your mind that's telling you amygdala you know your amygdala is sure. freaked out and you have the capacity to go hey amygdala calm the fuck down mm-hmm. and you relax so that happened to me a couple the both times I did it and then once I got past that I f- it was for 20 minutes it was cool and then I got bored you know what I mean? And maybe that's because I wasn't able to relax deeper. But I remember after at the thirty minute mark, I'm like, I don't really want to be in this fucking thing anymore because I'm just kind of bored. Okay. I wasn't like freaking out. I was just kind of like, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I can see that. So I've done sensory deprivation tanks uh, every once in a while. For anybody's listening who doesn't know, it's just like basically uh, you deprive your body of all of its senses of light, of sound. And of uh, of gravity, so to speak, yeah. you're in this uh, salt water, so you float. So if you ever do it for the first time, it's going to be the first time your body's going to experience not touching the earth. Yeah, which is a and apparently interesting. And apparently, it's like the, it's the last time that's ever happened is when you was in the womb. Yeah, right. So it's a uh, and it's supposed to basically disconnect your brain from your body, right? Yeah. And I'm sure some people get in there and it's like I don't see how this works, but people who like do meditate and stuff, I could it really worked for me. Yeah, yeah. This time I did it on edibles. <laughs> and if you do sensory deprivation tank on edibles, bro, <laughs> bro, you won't believe what happened, man. I like, <laughs> I laid in the pool, okay? I was tripping so hard when I first went in there. Mm-hmm. As soon as my body floated, my head popped off. <laughs> I had a sensation of my head popping off, popped off my head and started tumbling. In infinite wow. black space. So, so I felt like I was completely tumbling, and it was making me dizzy. Yeah. In infinite black space, bro. Yeah. Then I started hyperventilating. Oh boy. Because it was really scary. Because mm-hmm. at first I was in California. Now I'm in space. In fucking somewhere, right? Yeah. Then my brain started going. What if this is what death is? Yeah. What if you die? You just tumble consciously through infinite blackness and it was so fucking scary bill yeah that i started having a panic attack i literally started having a panic attack um and then i started thinking about death then i started thinking what if i am dead and what if this was what death is yeah then i started flipping the fuck out and then i started like thinking about my life what was your body doing? i started thinking about my life i was thinking about everything that i've done and and then I I realized I was like, wait a second. If I did die today and this is what it was afterwards, I lived a pretty good life. Huh. I had this epiphany. I was like, dude, you were a Marine, you were this, you did that, you've accomplished all these things, you've traveled the world, you have all these experiences. I literally was kind of proud of myself in that moment where I was like, dude, you squeezed every moment out of this life so far. You should. And then I started laughing cathartically. Wow. Because it was such a relief. I was like laughing like a maniacal, crazy person. (laughs) And after I like let that release go, I started tripping. Visual. 
And it was like my subconscious mind was like, oh, wait a minute. We have the steering wheel? Bitch, we got to fucking empty this closet full of skeletons. Yeah. And the first thing it showed me was my dad's face. Interesting. There's somebody who I haven't talked in 13 years. And then his face showed up. So so when did then, you do this? When, when was this experience happening? When? Yeah, this you're talking about, right? What's, what experience are you having that you just had? I was in the sensory deprivation yeah. tank. What year was on, Man, it's probably 2013, 2014. And you hadn't talked to your dad since? Maybe 13 years before that, yeah. I think since I remember. 2000? Wow. Yeah, right around then, since 2000. No interaction. No interaction. No and interaction. You saw your dad's face in this and moment. Bro, like in blackness, all of a sudden, boom, this bite clear as day. Wow. And then I was like, I remember looking at it and just going, I don't, I don't want to see that. Why are you fucking showing me that? And then like my brain's like, no, we're gonna see. It. And then my dad's face started morphing into this demon. Oh no! And just started surrounding the entire trip. And then I had this recollection where I was like, I should call my dad. Yeah. And then the trip went away. <laughs> huh. So when I came out of that trip, I literally was like, yo, man, there's something buried deep inside where I kind of want to squash something with my dad. Yeah. And maybe, and then I started having this idea. I'm like, maybe he grew like I grew. Maybe after 13 years, I'll call him and he won't be that piece of shit that, that he was before we had to cut him off out of, out of our lives. And then uh, when I went to go see him, he was probably like mid seventies. Uh, so we to go see him after the sensory deprivation thing. Yeah. You traveled to Detroit? I was gonna be there anyway. Yeah. I was out here in LA. I was producing reality TV at the time. And I remember I called my dad a couple of times and, and he was very happy to hear from me and it sounded very good. Uh -huh. And uh, he even like at work was like, hey, my boy's calling me, ha ha, you're right, right? And, uh, and I remember my dad was kind of a fake person where he would only do things to get other people to see him a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then it turned out that that's exactly what it was because as soon as he got me in front of him, he just started fucking becoming a piece of shit. So it wasn't even- Look, What was he doing? He just lured me. Okay, well, here's this. He's 70 some years old, yeah. right? He gets out of the car and I look at him and I'm like, yo, man, the guy's like pretty healthy looking, which made me kind of feel good about the rest of my life, right? <laughs> and then he had, a, he had a kid. He had a five-year-old son. Wow. Okay, so hold on a second. So at first I'm like, cool, I gotta have brother, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, cool, man, my dad looks healthy, man. This is like things are looking up, right? And I remember when he got out of the car, I was like, dad, you look great. And he's like, thank you. He's like, I can't say the same for you. And at first I was like, Todd, jokes. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. He just wanted to get me there to hurt me. And then, man. and then, and then at, at, at one point of the conversation while we were talking, he goes, I don't need you no more. I have him now. Like that type of fucking shit. Interesting. Like, yeah. And then I remember why I cut him out of the family in that moment. You ever Have you ever left someone and you were like, fuck this person, right? And then years later you see them again mm -hmm. and then you're kind of like, man, let me give them a chance. Yeah. And then they do something that makes you realize why, oh, that's you, right. fucking, that's right. that's why right. you stopped talking to them. Yeah. That's exactly what my dad did. All of a sudden he started like trying to make me feel like a piece of shit, which doesn't huh. work. Yeah. Right to me. Yeah. Then he started talking shit about my mom and my sister. Uh. You let your sister marry a, marry, marry a white man? What the fucking whore and this, that, and the other thing? Wow. And that's when I snapped. And I was like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Get your shit. I go, don't you ever fucking come around? Because I realized the real reason I cut him off wasn't because of my feelings. It was because of my sister. Yeah, yeah. He just, he was going to try to find a way to hurt her. That's all. 
Wow. So he didn't change. Yeah. So he could be dead now. I have no idea. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. I think the thing, whenever I know people who have family members that are, they have like, are really distant from, I always feel like there's something, there's something, there's some element of closure that is there, that, whether you do it on your own or you do it with the person because, because they are going to die and then sometimes people die and you kind of go, man, I wish I had like one moment before that. Just say like, hey, I, f- I know you're fucked up. I forgive you because obviously you're fucked up and I, I took it personally and now I don't have to. You know, or just something. Some you know, there is a part of me that kind of feels that maybe I should do that, but I've already tried that. Yeah. So to me, it's like that second time of coming around. Yeah. Seeing how like, well, clearly he's fucked. I'm not saying he's not fucked. Yeah. He's fucked. Yeah. And he's obviously indoctrinated into this bullshit belief system, and obviously having this kid was his way of making his life right again after fucking so up weird, his first man. family. And that's massive, massive insecurity and fear and massive. fear of death. Massive fear of death. You're having a kid in your 70s, man. It's like your one way to abate the fear of death. Having this little kid, look at, I don't need you. Like the fact that he had to say that to you speaks from such a well of pain and I know. resentment that he has a blind spot he can't even see. I know, but here's yeah. the thing, buddy. You're motherfucker. You're old enough to fucking, you should have fucking steered yourself out of that long you'd, ago. You'd you should have been able to see how you hurt your family long ago. It's so sad. It is so sad. So sad. It's like how, but, but again, what, what am I going to do? Because there was a time when like. It's like after a while, you just got to wipe your hands clean, man. Because there was a time when you were born and he was like, I got a son. Bro, he was a great father. That's the, that's the shitty thing. He was a, so the thing is, is that I was very lucky that in the very early parts of my life up yeah. until where it really mattered, he was a killer dad. Yeah. Maybe too strict. I, he was very strict. Yeah. I joined the Marine Corps to get away from him. Yeah. You know what strict, I mean? That's yeah. how strict that motherfucker was. Yeah. But he was a good dad, bro. Yeah. He you cared. Know? He cared. He fucking cared. He wanted to make sure that he brought like good people into this world. Yeah. Right. And uh, to me, it's like he raised me so right yeah. that not even he could fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> That's how good he fucking raised me, bro. And like he tried to corrupt me. When I got out of the Marine Corps, he was going through a divorce with my mom and he brainwashed me to hate my mom. Of course, man. Of course. No, he really brainwashed me to become like a really terrible person to my mom, bro. I understand it. Believe me. And it took me a second for me to fucking go, wait a second. Why, why am I treating my mom like this? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I realized understand. it's because of him. Then I'm like, dude, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like a terrible person. Like who, what type of father would do that? So he... He became a troll, bro. So yeah. like, yeah, like he should have got therapy. He never did. And then my, and my, and then, and then whatever that thing was, ate my dad away. Yeah. And now yeah. he's just this, like a, like, 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 like a possessed body. That's all he is, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could talk about that. And now you know why I'm a comedian, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where was the transition for you to become a comic from doing? Before you were a comic, you were a what? Uh, before I was a comic or did anything in comedy, I was a mechanic. So I was a mechanic in the Marines. I was a mechanic before I was in the Marines because I grew up in Detroit. Uh, you know, was there a point where like I'm going to be working in the auto industry in Detroit and that's going to be my life and I'm going to have a kid and I'm going to yeah, live in I had that mindset, but at the same time, I I really didn't realize how I didn't want to be a mechanic. I was just doing it because it was just that. Yeah. that's the thing yeah. I fell myself that's what you into. Think. Yeah, 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 right. Uh, but deep down, I've always wanted to be an entertainer. I've always wanted to be an actor. I've always wanted to be in movies. I wanted to make movies you know it's just that's what i really wanted but then i had that mindset of like that can't happen yeah and then i was working at detroit diesels fresh out of the marine corps and uh, i had a real cush job in this factory working on these prototype engines um 
but I was miserable. I was making all this money, but I was miserable. Yeah. And all I could think of was taking an acting class. I remember <laughs> all I could think of was like, man, I should take an acting class. Then I got laid off because the economy fucking crashed. Yeah. And then- uh, So we're talking 2008? No, this was 2000. 2000, okay. It was 90, I got out in 99, started working, and they probably laid me off like late 2000. Okay. Right, 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 right when they probably laid me off. Uh, and then that's when I was like, fuck it, I'll just, I'll just take an acting class. Yeah. Went, did an acting class. There's a guy in my class named Adam Peacock. We were still friends today. He was the class clown. I was the class clown. So me and him were just making everybody laugh all the freaking time. And he was the one who was like, hey, man, you want to take improv classes at Second City? <laughs> I'm about to take classes. I was like, I didn't even know what that was. Second City in Detroit? It used to be in Detroit. Oh, okay. There used to be one in Detroit. Got it. A lot of the heavy hitters came out of the Detroit one. Yeah, you interesting. Um, so I, that's what I did. I was like, all right, I'll take classes there. And then while I was taking my first class, they had open auditions for understudy for touring company. And I was like, fuck it, I'll audition. And I got it. An understudy for the improv troupe? For the touring company, yes. Oh, I didn't realize That's there was an improv city. touring company. I guess it was pretty popular at the time, huh? Second City, oh yeah. yeah. Second, they also had a touring company. Yeah. So that you know, like you would do tour and do corporate gigs. Oh, wow. Right, instead of doing the main stage, right? That must have been a fucking blast, dude. For you, particularly coming out of your situation in the Marines and all yeah. of a sudden you're touring with a fucking improv troupe? Well, I didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't end up touring on that much because then after a while, I kind of like, you know, once I graduated, I moved up, moved out. And uh, I, I really didn't move up in the ranks of the Second City improv thing too much. I don't think I was that good of an improviser, but yeah. I still got the understudy. Right, yeah. which just blew me away. Yeah, I was like, "Wait a minute, I'm funny. <laughs> I'm getting paid." Like, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it, yeah. like it blew me away. And then um, um, after I did Second City, I started filming uh, and making sketch videos with a lot of funny people in Detroit. Right now, a lot of these guys are on TV. Man, these are yeah. my boys that are like doing big things now. And uh, we were just, and I became a very good filmmaker. Yeah, uh, and then I created a web series called the Ed and Mo Show. Uh, you guys can see it at edandmoshow.com. I mocked the reality show. And I did it so well that it got me work on a real reality show. Wow. When, and that's what got me out here to LA. I ended up producing a show called Swamp People on History Channel. Oh, I remember that show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then while So I, that was your pitch to Swamp People? Or you just came on? As oh, no, 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 no. I just came on. I just came on. Yeah. I, just, I got a job because, you know, the, my skills translated well yeah. to do it. And I enjoyed doing that job. Did that for three seasons. Then I went to Indonesia, had an intense mushroom trip, <laughs> met God. Yeah. I called her the Mosquito Queen. The Mosquito Queen. Because it was like a woman that was sort of like an insect. It was kind of crazy. And she Well, gave, those are good mushrooms, man. Because oh, I, I, I hear took, you get that from DMT. But mushrooms, man, I've never got that from mushrooms. No, here's the thing. I think I took so much mushrooms. I, took, I fasted the entire day. It was in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. I fasted the entire day. It was Friday the 13th <laughs> full moon. Yeah. And there was having a full moon beach party. Yeah. In this island in Bali. I took 10 grams on an empty stomach. 10 grams of mushrooms? Holy fuck. Do you remember the, the strain? No, it's, it's actually, this is like 10, roughly 10, 10 to 12 wet grams. So they were like not even dry. They were freshly picked. Jesus Christ. They still have oh, dirt Jesus on them. Christ. Because they, the, the mushrooms go everywhere on this island, right? Oh my God. So I ate a shitload on an empty stomach, bro. Lot. And I kind of had a DMT-esque trip. Well, that's what they say. So if you do a, tons of weed, it, it becomes like a mushroom trip. You do tons of mushrooms, it becomes a DMT trip. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, so, so I met... This is what's crazy, okay? I'm gonna give you the Cliff Notes version because there's so many details. I'm just gonna jump to the bullet points. Met her in the sky. Yeah. She told me, she goes, go back to comedy. Wow. 
this is what was fascinating. She goes, she goes to me. She goes, the only real reason you're like you like producing reality TV shows is your ego loves telling people you're a Hollywood producer. Interesting. She and then she started playing. She goes, "You love it when you met that guy at the airport and wanted to take a picture of you because you produced Swamp People. You love it when you go back home to see your friends and they introduce you to girls. It's like this guy produces TV shows in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. She played all of that shit to me wow. and said, "You're not in it for the right reasons." Wow. She's like, "You're funny. Go back to comedy." But she didn't say what. She didn't say go back to stand up. Go back to whatever. Right. Then she gave me an entire roadmap on how to reinvest my real estate. At the time, I only had. This is the best mushroom trip ever. Best, I had four. I had four rental properties in the Detroit area at the time, right? And they were in areas that that they've increased in price. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like forgot about them, right? I just collecting income or whatever. And then she was like, she goes, she literally was like, time is running out on investing in Detroit. You should Airbnb your apartment for one year. <laughs> In LA, uh-huh. go back to Detroit, stay with your mom for a year, sell those homes, and buy cheaper homes and expand your portfolio. Then she told me, "Way to go, God!" Hold on, yeah. And then she was, she was like, "Get a property manager. Your ego, your ego's too big. You think you don't need a property manager." She was like, "Let go of your ego and just relinquish control to other people, so you can have more homes." Wow! Like my ego was completely keeping me down. I didn't realize until this this mushroom trip. I did everything she said. Wow. I fucking ended my my job there, Airbnb to my apartment for one year, stayed with my mom for a year and three months, went from four homes to nine homes. Wow. And they were all collecting income. Now I didn't have to work for anyone. And yeah. I can just go back to comedy, which I don't know what that meant. Yeah. Came back to LA first time not needing a job. Waking up anytime I want, very confused. <laughs> it's very weird when you start working for yourself all of a sudden. Yeah. And you don't have to answer to anyone. And then I realized, she said, all right, go back to comedy. So I tried to do improv here in LA, getting all my old Detroit friends. No, I just tried to get a bunch of my Detroit friends in a troupe. Let's let's just do stuff. I found out you couldn't rely on people in LA. People were flaky in LA, traffic, all kinds of problems. I have a callback for Bones. I can't come to rehearsal. Whatever it is, right? Nobody was committing at the level I wanted to commit. I was still doing the last couple of months of this reality show. So I was like, you know what? I'll just go to an open mic. See what happens. Yeah. Went there. It was in a coffee shop. It was in a Chinese restaurant on fucking Fairfax. Did you go with a friend? Or you no, I just went by myself right or? after my reality show job. Yeah. I just went and drove, found one on the comedy bureau, went there, signed up, and it was tiny. There was only like maybe like five people in the restaurant, but they were all laughing at the story that I was telling them about my time having to get my cell phone back from a crack dealer. Yeah. So how crazy is this, bro? Talk about serendipity. As I'm telling these jokes about Detroit, a comic called Dave Carter, I don't know if you know him, he's a black mm-hmm. guy with like big afro-y hair. He was sitting there at the open mic too. His phone rings. It's a guy, his cousin, Dave, who lives in Detroit. Dave, in, in, in uh, the, uh, the, the day that's in LA, goes to his cousin. He's like, hey man, this is pretty funny. You call, man. Some Arab kids on stage talking about <laughs> his time in Detroit. And that guy on the phone goes, what's his name? So he looks at the sign-up shit. He goes, Mike Eshack. And that guy on the phone's like, I know Mike Eshack. He's like, that guy used to live in my neighborhood when he lived in downtown Detroit. Crazy. And what's crazy is the story that I'm telling was from that neighborhood. 
Oh, wow. So as soon as I got done with the set, people clapped. I got off. This guy walks up to me. He's like, hey, dude, someone wants to talk to you. He gives me the phone. I catch up with this guy I haven't talked to in like 15 years. Then Dave, the comic, introduces me to another comic, Ian Salmon. And Ian Salmon's like, hey, man, I got an open mic that's also a show. You want to do some time on it? And I was like, okay. Yeah. And that was that's my first open mic. Yeah. Right. One to one. Right so away. to me, man, that whole connection with meeting that thing up there, she gives me this entire roadmap. I follow it to a T. I do my first open mic. That shit happens. And that springboards me into fucking taking stand up seriously. Wow. So if you now, you know, I don't know what you believe in terms of God and the universe and everything like that. But I don't know if what you believe. believe that that was some sort of divine spirit telling you to do this and obviously a divine spirit wouldn't do that because it wants you to get your rocks off so what do you think your purpose is in doing comedy like do you do you feel like in that way do you feel some sort of like moral obligation regarding comedy do you feel kind of like man like this is a spiritual mandate for me that i gotta like think about what my message is is do you think about that because i go back and forth i go from being like i just want to be goofy and funny and make people laugh which is a good thing for the world to like i want to push people I want to poke people I want to prod people I want to like push boundaries of that even offend myself and I go back and forth between what my purpose is as a comic so I'm just wondering with this being the jumping point from your comedy career do you think about yourself your voice as a comic and and what it means like the greater good and do you have that conversation with yourself? I mean I kind of do but I don't really think about it that much I think even with my writing I, I, I like to bring people together in laughter I also if you like listen to my, my comedy it's social commentary uh, some of it I like to really just point out our differences in how we look at each other and then try to bring it back to look how stupid we are <laughs> in yeah, doing yeah, yeah. this you know yeah. what I mean so um, I mean I don't know dude I think laughter is such so important just on in its own you yeah. know and um, I mean I'm, how many people have you had this happens to me a couple of times every so often man where someone will come after you after the show and be like thank you so much I really had a terrible day until I came to the show yeah. Yeah. you know I really needed that laughter thank you so much and that's what it means mm -hmm. right there man mm -hmm. That's yeah, everything. for sure. 100%. Have you ever performed for the troops? Do you get to No. Do, not uh, yet? I've done it with a rifle, uh, with a, a rapid fire comedy. Shout mm -hmm. out to Michael D'Angelo, who does like a show for Marines. He's yeah. a Marine also. But no, I do want to open myself up to like USO tours or something because I really want to perform yeah, there are for a bunch the military. Of them around. I just got, I just got, to, I just got to work those angles right now. That's sure, it, sure. You yeah. know, got it. Uh, but you know what's crazy? I got to get going though because yeah, I got to drive to North Hollywood. This is what's crazy about that trip, though. This is the thing that brings chills to me, bro. Yeah. Okay? I met the Mosquito Queen. Yeah. Did her fucking plan. Okay? Two years after that trip, two years after that trip, I go on Reddit looking up ayahuasca. I wanted to trip on ayahuasca. What it's like to trip on ayahuasca. I come across and ask me anything. And the ask me anything was, I just had my first ayahuasca trip, ask me anything. And you know on Reddit, the comments that are voted, gets the most votes are the ones that are drawn to the top. Yeah. The comment that got voted to the top was, did you see her? Oh, yeah. Well, no, I've heard about that with DMT. Hold on. Specifically DMT. This yeah. is even better. Then when I found out who they call, they call her Mother Ayahuasca. Uh-huh. Then I did a image search for Mother Ayahuasca. Every artist rendition is that bitch I saw in the stars. Oh, and you'd never even heard about that I shit before. I didn't even know what the hell she was. That's fucking amazing. So if I Google Mother Ayahuasca right now, I would see what you're talking about? Look up Google Mother Ayahuasca, <laughs> and you'll see. What, what, when I saw her, she was in the stars, and the stars played Connect the Dots, and you can see her face in nature and everywhere. And all the pictures are that. 
Yeah. Let me I'm look. A, I'm a look. Oh, I shit. Let me look. Because I know that I've heard this before. There is the, the mother figure with the DMT. Um, I didn't experience it with mushrooms. Did I spell ayahuasca right here? I don't know. That's pretty impressive that you got it pretty close. So go to image search. Boom. Look at that. Woman in the stars. Woman in the stars. You see that? Mm. You see how she's got wings coming out of her like she's almost like a mosquito? Yeah. You see that? Yeah. And it's, she, she's always in nature. She's in the trees. She's in something. She's basically like Mother Nature. And that's exactly how I saw her. I saw her more like this up here. Go up. Go mm -hmm. to the top. This is what I saw. More like that. But yeah. in the stars. And she, wow. did, she didn't say any words to me. All I know is when I came back from that trip... I knew exactly what I had to do. That's fucking wild. I man. knew all the plans I needed to know. Did you get to do ayahuasca? No, I never did ayahuasca. Was, I did do DMT. Oh, you did? I've never done ayahuasca or DMT, but I wanna. Yeah. But to me, that's what's crazy. Yeah. Is why is it that when people hit the boss level of tripping out, they meet her? And that, that to me, fascinates me because mm -hmm. I was raised Muslim. I was raised to believe, right, in, in God. Then I've had these moments in my life where I'm like, I don't know if there is one. And then I'm back to it again. And then I'm yeah. like, right. But, but that trip there, man, meeting that, and I was so lucid. Mm -hmm. And she gave me a plan. That's fucking amazing. Man. And then I came back from it. And then two years later, I find out other people are meeting her. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's cool. wow, right? No, that is fucking next level shit, dude. That's why I want to do ayahuasca. I want to do ayahuasca really bad. I know they have like weekends here in LA, but I think I need the green to do that. Yeah. I have a really good curated trip. You need some fucking dough. I mean, Peru, I think is the place to go. Yeah. You know, you trek into the fucking woods and yeah. the jungle, and then they, uh, and then they fast. Shamans. You fast, oh, yeah, so that it hits you really hard. So that's what I did that day. I was like, you know, I'm gonna fast the whole day, yeah, yeah. and then take it, <laughs> bro. <laughs> and you know what? I've been chasing her ever since, and I don't, Nothing. I don't think I'm ever wow. gonna see her again. Crazy, I think that was man. it. I think that was that was my appointment. Yeah, yeah, that was my appointment. God, now I gotta meet her. <laughs> All right, man. Now you gotta get out of here. But thank I you so much for coming. You're a great dude, man. And Bro, uh, this where was can fun, people man. find you? Oh yeah, guys, find me mikefromdetroit.com. You go there. All my social media links that are on the top. Uh, Mike from Detroit on everything. Instagram, TikTok, YouPorn, everything. <laughs> I'm Mike from Detroit. Um, but the best way to find me is go to mikefromdetroit.com and uh, uh, join my mailing list when you get on there, so I can let you know when I'm doing shows. Watch my videos. Hope you like my comedy, and I hope you follow me. All right, man. Well done. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.